Welcome to another episode of the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined as always by my co-host, Matt and Lando, as well as our tech producer, Keys. This week, we talk about the results of the first week of action after the committee released their first rankings, followed by some predictions for the second top 25 being released later on tonight. No mailbag this week, but we do have our classic pour one out, cut them off for the week, as well as our locks and picks against the spread for this week's big matchups. Hope y'all enjoy. Who do you guys think is going to be in the top four? You talking about tonight? Yeah, tonight. Let me rephrase that. Who do you think is going to be in the top four, and who do you... Who would you put in the top four? Uh, I think the top four in, what is it, an hour and 20 minutes. I don't know why it's coming out at 9 o'clock tonight, Eastern time. Basketball. Yeah. the I think it's going to be Georgia. I think they're going to keep Alabama at two, and I think they're just going to move up Oregon and Ohio State. I don't think they should do that, but I think they are going to do that. Yeah, I think uh, I completely agree with that. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely absurd, but that's that's what's probably going to happen. Personally, I would probably have Georgia. I don't really know who I would put it to. Honestly, I Georgia. I think where's the ranking? Go ahead. Georgia, Cincinnati. Why not? Until they lose, I would not have. Cincinnati. Is, is that in? That's in no particular order, right? No particular. Okay. <laughs> not at two. Why would I put them at two? <laughs> that's what I'm oh, I thought you were putting them at two. I was like, no. yeah, I was like, yeah, I think Cincinnati deserves four. to be four. Yeah. Maybe four. I think you should leave Cincinnati at four until they either lose right. or somebody looks like they should be there. So, yeah. So, Georgia, this this would be the order. Georgia one, Oklahoma two. We're undefeated. Got, come on. Like, let's stop playing around here. Then Alabama, then Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio State, Oregon, they can all fight for that four spot. I would probably have Georgia as my number one. Number two, I mean, it literally anybody from Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Ohio State, if you had them at number two, I would not be pissed off. See, my, my thing is with number two is, so I, I initially I wasn't very upset that they put Oklahoma at eight until I watched teams two through seven struggle with every team they played with this weekend. So except for Oregon, Oregon, Oregon played well. But Alabama struggled against LSU. Michigan State lost. I have no idea why they had Michigan State at three in the first place because they hadn't played nobody. Well, and, they, you know, they were uh, undefeated and they beat Michigan, who was they were ranked, undefeated and, and, nine. and they beat Michigan, who's not very good. And then, but they're Ohio, ranked, but they're ranked top ten. I mean, I'm just saying this is this is what I know. They, this is I what know. I know. This isn't me. And then uh, Ohio State, you know. Uh, battled with, with with Nebraska just like Oklahoma did. So why are these teams with one losses ahead of an undefeated Oklahoma team? Who, yes, I understand has struggled against 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 teams like Kansas and Tulane and stuff like that. But why why is an undefeated Oklahoma team at eight when these other teams are also struggling against teams they shouldn't struggle against, like Alabama struggling in, against uh, LSU? You know, I just don't understand. It's not, Lando, it's not making I, sense to me. I agree with you. I think Oklahoma should be at least top four. Because they are, they're are, they're undefeated and they play in a Power 5 conference. And even though like the schedule you guys have played this year hasn't really been that tough if you look at the playoff rankings. But the way that the college football has been this year, 
if you're winning games, you're doing something right. Because there's been so many upsets, and it's so it's so flat this year. There's not this like like massive gap between every team or like all the top six teams or or ten teams or whatever, and then everyone else. Like a lot of times, you can look at people's schedules and be like, okay, well, like Ohio State. No one they play is ranked. Like the only teams they play that are ranked are outside of the top twenty, or they're outside yeah. of the top fifteen. Or like same with you know Oklahoma sometimes, same with Oregon sometimes, same with usually not SEC teams. Usually SEC teams are top. There's at least like four in the top fifteen like every single year because that's just how they rank them. But this year, it's very, very, very all over the place. Like you got ACC teams, you got plenty of ACC teams ranked, you got plenty of Big Twelve teams ranked. Um, I think the only reason Oklahoma is not in the top four is because Oklahoma hasn't played one of these ranked Big 12 teams. I think they're saying, you're at eight. Here's your room to improve when you beat the teams that are ranked. It's crazy they're doing that because, yeah, some of those teams we we, we, we played were ranked. And then after we beat them, they're not ranked anymore. You know what I mean? So, so, yeah. so, so for example, Baylor lost this past weekend. So tonight they're, they're probably going to get dropped down to, what, 20? And then say if we beat Baylor this weekend, Baylor's going to be unranked. So then they're going to straight look at it. Oh, oh, Oklahoma hasn't played in a ranked team in in the top twenty five. Like there's there's no way to to win that situation. So why why are we being punished? Just just like you know Ohio State struggled with Penn State, you know, and uh, Oregon struggling or, or or losing to a Stanford team. You see Stanford get get walloped on Friday. That got destroyed. Just I just don't understand why these other teams aren't getting punished like we are. Like Oklahoma is. Well, the the only argument you can make for Oregon is that Oregon has the win over Ohio State. Like that's that, and and they value Ohio State as the last week, what fifth, fourth, fifth best team in the country. And they struggled against the Nebraska team. That's no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not no, I'm, I'm just saying. saying I'm, I'm, I know. I'm, just, I'm helping yeah. your case. I'm helping your case. I don't disagree. I'm just saying that. That's why Oregon, that's why Oregon's valued high. I think Oklahoma should be top four. Like if if you get ask me what the top four should be, I would say Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon, Ohio State, Alabama at five, Cincinnati at six. I like that. I I, I actually really like that. That that was a that was really that was a good list. Alabama losing to Texas A and M. Granted, Texas A and M was what eleven. Yeah. Last week or or they are they'll probably be eleven to ten somewhere in that range this week. And that's Alabama's one loss, and it was on the road. But for whatever reason, I feel like they look at the final score. Uh, like for example, the Tennessee game, that was a seven-point game late in the like midway through the fourth quarter, and then Alabama finally hit their stride and tore off and took away, went away with it. But Alabama's not the same Alabama this year. Like exactly. I, I've, I've, I've been. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse when I say that, but it's the truth. Like Alabama's not typical Alabama. You know, and and we can all see that. We we watched this game against uh, LSU over the weekend. And I was not expecting such a a close game. I, I I told I told you guys in the group message if LSU had a better quarterback, Alabama uh, uh, Alabama loses that game. Cause uh, what's his name? Um, Johnson. What, what's his first? What's the kid's first name? Max, Max Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Man, this dude he he looks like a deer in the headlights playing quarterback. He, he like he. He waits till his receivers look open, and then he throws them. And by that time, it's already too late. Like he had a, a ton of opportunities to throw touchdowns in that game. So, you know, LSU got uh, Alabama got really lucky that LSU didn't have a more competent quarterback because they would they would have definitely lost that game. 
Alabama got lucky about a lot this past weekend, if we're being honest. I mean, Alabama didn't look good. The defense looked okay at, at times, but there were a lot of – there was a play, I don't remember if it was third quarter uh, or fourth quarter, but Max Johnson ended up not th- – there was a guy deep that was wide open that he just completely missed. And it, it was like, come on, man, like blown coverages on defense – the offensive line looked atrocious. There, there's a lot wrong with Alabama, and it, I, I don't know that there is a end-all, be-all fix. But on top of that, Bill O'Brien's play calling is so vanilla. Like, there's no creativity in any of the schemes that he uses. So I think there's a little bit of missing Sark right now in, in Tuscaloosa. No, yeah, and I honestly, yeah, I know Bill O'Brien did a good job at Penn State, but I mean... How many how many years ago was that that he was at Penn State? That was at least at least five. Yeah. Oh, it's been it's been about ten. It's been about ten, really? No, it's been about no, ten. No, no, yeah, he was there. He was there in like twenty fourteen. Like, yeah, he's been there. Like I thought it was like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. He was there. He was there when Georgia played Penn State in the um, what was it? Music City Bowl. But I, I that say all that to say is Christian Lambert fifteen. Is yeah, it's only been you know six or seven years, but offenses ha- have have evolved even since then. Like you, you can't just be basic and vanilla against these defenses. The, the players are a lot faster, you know. Uh, offenses, especially the way the uh, Alabama's offense was last year, you can't just dumb it down and think everything's gonna be okay. You have to come in and run something that's gonna be just as effective and just as efficient. I'll be honest, like right now, Alabama is winning on talent and talent alone. They're not. They're not winning on schemes offensively. Bryce Young is everything he was advertised to be and more. Honestly, because he, without him on the field, I, I don't know that Alabama would be winning games right now. Just because, like I said, the, the the offense is very vanilla. The the routes that a lot of guys are running, it's just very basic, easy to cover schemes. There's not any creativity, and and then you couple that with the fact that they ran the ball for six freaking yards. I, I don't know if it, like. If that's all scheme, you can't blame it all on the O-line. It, it can't be all the O-line's fault. Well, see, Matt, I think this is the problem with people think that when you hire a guy like Bill O'Brien, who was a really good offensive mind back when he was at Penn State, you know, back in the early 2010s, you think you're getting a guy who's like, a, he's really smart. He knows what to do with the players he has. But to me, he's kind of like a Les Miles and he's kind of like a Mike Bobo where he doesn't really want to get creative. He just wants to run the offense he's always known. He doesn't really care, like, what players he has. He just wants to, like, he just thinks his scheme is the best there is. It doesn't get better than what he does. He's had success. He used to have success with it. Um, So then when he throws that in there um, and he uses players that Alabama has and doesn't take advantage of guys like Jamison Williams, um, it's it's just not, it's just not very, um, not very explosive like Alabama was last year. It's really funny though to like look at Alabama Twitter and see everybody melting down and like arguing of who's the worst coordinator, Pete Golding or uh, Bill O'Brien. And it's like you're you're literally saying that a guy that held their offense to 14 points is the worst coordinator. That that that, that like that can't be the case. It has to be the guy who has one of the most potent offenses, at least on paper. Weapon-wise, he's got one of the most potent offenses, and he's scored 20 points against an LSU defense that's been atrocious for most of the year. Look at Lane Kiffin, where they hobbled Matt Corral, scored 31 against LSU. 
you could easily say Pete Golding is, is just as bad because was that LSU offense held to 14 points because of Alabama's defense or was it because LSU's o- the offense is so incompetent? Well, it was because of Will Anderson. Will Anderson put this – he was he was getting pressure on Max Johnson a lot, forcing him into some bad throws. Uh, I mean, even – they th- that last play of the game, Alabama literally rushed two guys and Will Anderson still found himself getting to, making his way to the quarterback – and it, they they had to they had to hold somebody's face mask in order to even prevent Alabama from rushing two guys and from getting to him. So Will Anderson, the Will Anderson effect was real. So I don't necessarily think Pete Golding is that great of a coordinator, but when you have players like Will Anderson that are a game changer, that that makes a big impact. See, uh, one thing I saw on Twitter after the game that I think kind of holds true is someone was tweeting saying this year it's easier to find the top players on Alabama because usually every player in Alabama is a top player. So it's easier to see the guys that aren't doing as well. You're like, okay, that's a hole right there. That's a hole right there. This year it's like, all right, that guy right there, Will Anderson, he's strong. That guy over there, Armour Davis, whatever, he's he's doing good. But And then there's other guys that's like, all right, there's holes everywhere else. Um, I, I just think that's crazy compared to what they had last year where they, you got – five-star superstar players all over the field, first-round talent um, to what they have this year. But I think Pete Golding isn't really doing a good job with some of the guys he has on defense either. I mean, it's both sides of the ball. It, it really is. It's not just Bill O'Brien being bad. I think I, I think that there's an argument to be made for both because there was a lot of times that Alabama's defense looked lost. And, I mean, even in the last the – last, there was like four minutes left in the game – and LSU had the ball on the eight-yard line, and it just happened that Alabama locked down enough to not give up the touchdown to lose the game. But it's just it's really, really frustrating because it's not like the talent isn't there. They still have five-star guys all over the place. Alabama, I mean, it's 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 not like we're lacking in talent. We've had one of the top three recruiting classes year in and year out. It, it just seems like, and, and I think that this is the first year, what's, what makes this so surprising, this is the first year in all of the coordinators being gone and coordinators coming, like the, the turnover coaching staff-wise for Alabama that we're finally seeing a little bit of, hey, this, doesn't, this isn't working. And if it, like, it, really, if it wasn't for Bryce Young and really Jamison Williams, John Mechie's started to show up a, a good bit the past, past few weeks. But if it wasn't for Jamison Williams and Bryce Young, I don't know what Alabama's offense would be this year. Brian Robinson's had a couple of really good games where, like the A&M game where he basically put the team on his back and and made it a close game, and Bryce Young made some great throws. But overall, it's so frustrating to see all the talent on offense. And what, I mean, really, if you think about it, losing Najee Harris is a big deal. Losing Devontae Smith is a big deal. Losing Jalen Waddle is a big deal. Losing Mac Jones is a big deal. But when you add in Bryce Young, who's been pretty much just as effective as Mac Jones, but the only way that he's been able to do anything is by extending plays. He's had no pocket whatsoever to stand in. Uh, John Mechie's been effective as a receiver. He's had a few drops. JoJo Earl is supposed to be the next Jalen Waddle, but I don't feel like he's really fit comfortably in the offense yet. And we can't establish a run game for whatever reason. And you've got a, a first-round graded talent at, at left tackle. It can't be that bad everywhere else on the offensive line. It, it, I'm, I, 
I got nothing. I, I got nothing. It has to, it has to be scheme. Yeah, I mean Alabama's got too many too many five stars to only be scoring twenty points on LSU, and another team that I think has a ton of five stars that's really underachieving, or they did last week at least against Nebraska, is Ohio State. I mean these guys have been great since um, I guess it was their loss since their loss against Oregon. They've looked really good. They've been beating up on teams like Maryland, Rutgers, and then they get to this Nebraska game, and they. I mean, they should have lost this game. I mean, I I don't know if you guys actually watched this game from start yeah. to finish. And I know they were missing Garrett Wilson, who is an absolute superstar. But you got to put Nebraska away. I mean, th- it was close up until the final minute of the game. Yeah, we, and you hit the reason why. Because, yeah, Ohio State's played really well since their loss against Oregon. But who who have they played well against? Absolutely nobody. Tulsa, Akron, Maryland, Rutgers. That's exactly. what they against. They, they've looked good against n- nobodies, and they are being rewarded for it. And then when they go and play Penn State, like they did two weeks ago, the game's really close. All of a sudden, they, they play they play a team that, that actually can get can, can compete with them and has some good players, players that are actually just as good as Ohio State has. The game's close. They get next to Nebraska. Yes, Nebraska hasn't been what they what they have been in the past, but Nebraska still has some players. They're 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 decently coached. Nebraska, just like how I mentioned with uh, LSU, Nebraska has a better quarterback to throw the ball around. Ohio State would have been in deep trouble. So you know, I don't think Ohio State really is, is that good as as people have been hyping them up to be. I don't. I don't either. And I think that I'll be honest. I think Nebraska needs a little more credit. I know the record isn't there, but they're good. But I think they're a better team than they've been given credit for. We just go back to that loss that they had against Illinois, and we say, "Oh wow, yeah, Nebraska's still really crappy." Like Nebraska's been in a lot of games. They were. It was a one possession game between them and either Michigan or Michigan State, maybe both. both. And then they were in a one. And then they're in a one-possession game against Oklahoma, and they're in a one-possession game against Ohio State. Maybe they're just not quite there talent-wise yet. So I think Nebraska might be a little bit better than we've ever given them credit for, but they have a really bad quarterback in Adrian Martinez. He's horrible. That's completely right. That's completely right. They're 3-7, and but this loss to Ohio State is their biggest loss of the season, and it was by nine points. Yeah. And they've played four of the top ten teams. Yep. That are ranked right now. Yep, that's unbelievable. Like for a three and seven team, and they lost. I mean, they they have some bad losses. They've lost some really bad games. Like they lost to Illinois. They lost to. I'm pretty sure they lost to Northwestern. Like this is not. It's it's like when they play bad teams, they play terrible. But then when they play up against top ten teams, they show up and they play really well. Like I, I don't know what's going on with it. I wouldn't fire Scott Frost if I were them, even though no, they I are wouldn't. three and seven. But the fact that they're competing with these top teams. Even though, like, I think the top teams aren't the top teams of usual where they're these, like, world beaters a whole gap away, like, you know, I was saying earlier. But still, I mean, the fact that they're still competing with every single team consistently that's in the top 10, um, that tells me that they they do have the talent and he's a good enough coach to at least get them to that point. Yeah, I think Nebraska's well coached. I like Scott Frost. I think he's doing the best he can with what he is being given at Nebraska, so you know, I, I think they should keep him there. Uh, he Nebraska's going to be fine. They're, they're never going to be what they were back in the '90s, but they're they're going to be a solid 
Big Ten team, kind of like how Michigan State is, even though Michigan State got got mollywopped by Purdue on on Saturday too. Just just another team that I don't understand why they were put so high. Yeah, they beat Michigan, but Michigan's really not that good. I don't think the Big Ten as a whole is that good. They're just getting all this credit for for no reason. I'm gonna be honest, man. This year it's Georgia and everybody else. Yeah, there, there, there totally. is, there's nobody even anywhere in the same realm as where Georgia is, and and it's the, and unfortunately, and Wit, you're probably you're gonna experience this for the first time. Everyone's gonna do to Georgia what they try to do to Alabama every year. Alabama goes on a run of dominance like this, where if you look at Georgia's schedule, they haven't really played anybody great. But it, it always seems like that's a it's a, it's always hyped up to be a really good game until after they beat them, i.e. Clemson, and then Clemson goes and they start losing everything. They they, they lost a they've lost a lot of I think three or four games now at this point. They play Kentucky. Kentucky was undefeated. They beat Kentucky. Now Kentucky's just not that good anymore, and it, and it's a continual cycle of that. And that's the way that it's going to be for Georgia all year until they win the Natty, and then everyone's going to be like, "Oh yeah, Georgia was the most dominant team all year long, and we just didn't admit it." And but but there's not anybody. I'm not looking at anybody. Everyone keeps saying Alabama, Alabama. If you see what they did against LSU's defense this weekend, Georgia's deep, their Georgia's front seven would have a heyday. A and M's front seven had a heyday. Georgia's defense would have a heyday. Blitz and Bryce Young. It's Georgia and everybody else this year, and it ain't close. And Cincinnati, I, I, I'm sorry, but it's 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 not going to happen. It, they, they struggled against Tulsa, and Tulsa had a bad break where dude was was going across the end zone and and fumbled the ball into the end zone, and that and that would have been basically a touchdown and a two point conversion ties the game. Man, I, I was I was rooting for Tulsa obviously because you know roots. But uh, Cincinnati is—they just keep slit. They just keep doing what they're what they shouldn't do. They keep winning by small margins, and they have to start blowing these teams out. I, I think I honestly think it's too late for Cincinnati to get in. It's they've had too many close games against teams that that they should be blowing out. It's too late for them. See, I I think Cincinnati. I don't think just winning out is going to be enough for Cincinnati. And I think the committee made that clear last week, um, and we talked about it a little bit last week too, but. I think Michigan State losing is huge because now there can only be one team in the Big Ten with one loss at the end of the year. Because I think if Michigan State had one loss, like one like really close loss to Ohio State, and then Ohio State went on to win it, I could see them putting two Big Ten teams in. And of course, if Alabama two beats Big Georgia, Ten teams, I think they would have absolutely. I mean, look at all these ranked Big Ten teams right now. I'm not saying the Big Ten's that good. I'm just saying the committee is valuing them to where they are that good. I mean, look at the playoff ranking from last week. You got Michigan State at three. You got Ohio State at four. You got Michigan at seven. You got Minnesota, who was six and two with a loss to Bowling Green, who just got beat, so they're going to be out. They were at 20. You had Wisconsin at 21. You had Iowa at 22. That's six teams. And then you probably got Penn State right outside the top 25, who will be in there this week. That's seven teams they are valuing in the Big Ten. And then, of course, Nebraska. Nebraska's three and seven. But they've had these close games. So this win, that win for Ohio State this past weekend, is probably going to look good to them because they're going to look at it and go, okay, well, Nebraska, they're 3-7. and seven, But they had a close game against Michigan. They had a close game against Michigan State. They had a close game against Oklahoma. Those are all top, top 10 teams. The fact that Ohio State beat them at Nebraska, that's a good win. Yeah, We'll give them that good win. 
So that's why I think they could have done it. Obviously, if Alabama ends up beating Georgia in the SEC championship and Alabama continues to win out, they're going to go. I mean, they're not – both Georgia and Alabama are both going to make it if that's the case. I don't think they leave – I don't think they don't put two SEC teams in over – or at least if you're comparing it with Cincinnati too. But yeah. I think Cincinnati has to have one team out of the Big Ten, one team in the SEC. Georgia's got to be Alabama. You got to have Oklahoma win out. And you got to have, or you got to have either Oklahoma or Oregon lose the game, or Ohio State. If one of those three teams lose a game, and if Georgia beats Alabama, then they're in. You got to have one of those four things to happen, which I think that is actually pretty likely. At least one of those four things. Yeah, could be. I mean, you know, could be. They don't have to worry about the ACC because Wake Forest got 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 busted by UNC, so the ACC is effectively done. I don't think the ACC had a chance to begin with because Wake was their only undefeated team. The crazy thing is, is that's not even that doesn't even affect Wake in the conference though, because yeah. it wasn't a conference game. That's crazy. To me. Which how, how, how does that how does that make that. sense? I, I guess the only reason they do it is they must be on. Uh, I, I was looking. They, they're on opposite sides of the ACC, so they want to play that in-state rivalry game. So they use one of their non-conference games as a rivalry game. It's in-state, and I guess the ACC approves it that way. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it. But that's still weird to me. UNC. Uh, the, the ACC is terrible. Horrible. I mean, they, they're awful. And I think that that's partially why you're seeing the Big Ten get so much more credit, too, this year is because the ACC is so down. So you have the SEC that's really that, that's really good. Pretty much the, the top seven teams in the SEC uh, are, are comparable. Um, they're, they're really good. The Big Ten is is decent. They're valuing them pretty high, but that's because the top of the Big Twelve, you have Oklahoma that's that's good. Iowa State is hit or miss. Baylor, we thought that they were good, but maybe they're not very good either. So you really really all we know is Oklahoma is is undefeated. And and that's all we have from the Big Twelve. So when you boil it down to that, then that's why teams like Iowa are ranked in the back end. And that's why you have teams like Wisconsin and Michigan State's valued so high because they're undefeated. That's that's the only reason that that's happening. And the Pac-12 isn't very good either. I mean, it's Oregon and everybody else in that conference right now. And Oregon, we I don't even think that Oregon's very good either. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a huge toss up. I, I will say though, um, these New Year's Six bowls are going to be awesome because no no team is going to be significantly better than than the other. So it's it's not going to be a blowout. Every game is going to be really good, really fun to watch. And I, I'm I'm honestly really looking forward to bowl season, which is not that far away. We got what like what three weeks, three four weeks until until bowl season starts. There's only three more weeks of the college football season, regular season, I and then you have can't believe championship it. week. It's flying, man. flies by. Uh, college football is is just, is just I, I never understand why it goes by so fast. Like it feels like yesterday, Oklahoma was struggling with Tulane. And I wasn't very happy, and now here we are playing Baylor, and Georgia is dominant, and Alabama's not what they, you know, people thought they would be, and it's just college football is just the king of fall. Yeah, it is, and honestly, if you told me too that we'd be going and looking at the rankings from last week, I mean, Michigan State being at three, Georgia at one, undefeated through eight weeks, Oregon in the top four. Yeah. Michigan in the Michigan only having one loss. I mean, Wake Forest in the top ten. I would have thought you were crazy. This yeah. year has been 
really, really awesome. I don't think it's been one of those 2007 years where you're like, you're getting an unbelievable upset every single week, even though I think the media wants to act like it is. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's still been, it's been an awesome college football season. I was going to say, that, that's because all offseason, all the talk was, oh, it's it, it's getting really boring. It's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma every year, and then occasionally Georgia. This is what we needed. We're, I'm having a hard time picking four teams that deserve to be in the playoff exactly. this year. Like, uh, why are we going to expand it to 12 just to say that we've got more games? I mean, and, and I know that they're ultimately going to expand it to 12 because they want more games, and that's their whole goal. So Georgia's going to have to win three more games, three more blowouts just before they're crowned. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't understand. Yeah. So, uh, well, let me ask y'all this. I know, I know, Matt just kind of talked about it. So, do y'all think that with the way it's been, you, you guys think this is this is pushing more towards going back to that fourteen playoff than going towards a six, eight, or twelve team? Because yeah. I've, I've I've heard it seems like the media wants to act like this right here. What it's been this year. Is calling more so for a twelve-team playoff than a no, fourteen. I mean, well, that, if every team was like every other team, but then you have Georgia still at the very top, which completely drives it the other way. Georgia and Alabama still are, and Oklahoma are still doing very well. If everybody had lost two or three games, then yeah, you could make that case. But if there's still about three teams that are undefeated at the end here that are not UTSA, then I think it's still pushing for the fourteen playoff. You can't sit here and tell me that if. Cincinnati were to play Georgia, Cincinnati would have a chance to win that game. You can't sit here and tell me that. So, Or you can't say number 12 would. Exactly. So there is no reason to expand. I, you, you, you can't even convince me that, that Oklahoma would, would, would beat Georgia right now because it, it probably wouldn't happen. Georgia is that good. And there's, there's such a gap between, first of all, there's Georgia, and then you have the three teams that are after that. You can It's a toss-up. And then after that, it's – like I always say, there's a drop-off. There's always a drop-off from probably that fifth or sixth spot. There's a huge drop-off. Those teams are not that are not that good compared to the, the top six teams. So, no, there shouldn't be an expansion. I hate to talk about it because it's just it's annoying. It's 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 all the time. So so here's here's why they're they're pushing for that. Because the compelling matchup of number 12 with number four, like if you did it the way that they're 12 with five, if you did it the way that they have it listed out right now, number 12 last week, I believe, was, I don't remember the Baylor. The Baylor. And then number five was, was Oregon. That's a pretty good game mm. on paper. On, eh. And that's what, so, but, but that's what they're pushing, that's what they're pushing for. The, the media sees it as, we're going to get more compelling games than what we're getting currently out of the Cotton Bowl because it, I feel like the media has, is trying to drive everyone's feelings to be more like how Dan Mullen was in the Cotton Bowl where it's like, oh, this game didn't really matter. It's just another bowl game. And that's what the media's agenda is. And they're like latching on to people, on to coaches that are saying things like that. And they're saying, see, even these players and these coaches that are playing in these bowl games agree. These games don't matter. So why don't we make these games matter? And the, the way that I view it is if you know who the best two teams and two teams in the country are, and you want to see them have to play one extra game to prove that they're the best two teams in the country, by all means, do that. And that's what kind of what they've done. But for the most part, year in and year out, we've known who the best two teams in the country were going into the playoffs. This year, 
I feel like it's it's Georgia, and then it doesn't matter who they play at four. They're going to win that game, and it's going to be a blowout. And then it doesn't matter who they play at in the Natty. It's going to be a blowout. And it it was the same way last year with Alabama. It was the same way the year before that with LSU. We it, it so can we just accept that there's going to be one team that's really dominant, and that that's okay, and that we don't have to have all of these other games that have a lot of meaning just for it to ultimately mean nothing and lead to the same team winning? It seems like they've been trying to hold on to about three different types of uh, a format. you got the bowl series format they're still holding on to. Meanwhile, they've really got an objective ranking system, and then they want to expand the playoffs as well. It's like you gotta you got to kind of pick one because right now like the, the bowls, like we say, they don't really matter other than the playoff game. So I know people like the bowls, and obviously it makes a lot of money, but it's kind of like you got your hand in too many baskets. See, the problem I have with people talking about a 12-team playoff right now in this season is you can sit here and look at the rankings from like, I know I've brought up the rankings from last week probably six times. There were 12 teams with one loss last week. So you could say, okay, there's 12 teams right there. They deserve it. We got Wake Forest, who's ranked nine. They're undefeated. Why in the the world are they not in the top four undefeated? Cincinnati, they're undefeated. Why are they not in the top four? They're undefeated. But guess what? That was week eight. We still have four more weeks of football to play. There's four more games for every team to play. So everybody's, they're going to do this, and they do this every single year. They're going to go week eight. God, there's there's eight teams. There's 12 teams that deserve to be in there. I don't know why we're not, we're not putting them in. And then you go to the next week. You go, oh, well, there's there's less teams, but there's still there's still a lot of teams that deserve to be in there. We, we need to put more teams in. And then you get to the next week. You go, well, there's a, some of these teams lost, but you, but you know that there's still some really good teams out here that, that deserves to be more than four. And then you get to the end of the year when everything sorts itself out and you go, here's your four teams. And there's not much argument. I think there's only been one year – I think last year was the only year since the college football playoffs started that I haven't really loved the fact that they put in number four over number five. And even then, if I was picking, I would have put in Notre Dame over Texas A&M anyway, because A&M has played Alabama already. And that's the only reason I would. But it's not like that wasn't like a huge deal. Like, like it's not like like every every other year has been perfect. I haven't seen a single year where I've been like that is a terrible four. They left somebody out that should have been in there. Wait, you say this all the time that honestly, all this talk that we do, it doesn't matter. All the rankings, it doesn't matter until you get right up, right up there until the playoff games. But if if we didn't have anything to talk about, we wouldn't have a podcast. So this is why we do this every week. It doesn't mean anything because teams lose, then teams well, lose again. It doesn't mean anything if we say it, but if ESPN and Fox are talking about it nonstop, still guess doesn't what? mean anything. The playoff committee starts going, oh, and then if social media is talking about it, then it's like, all right, well, there's a lot of people that want a 12-team playoff. Let's just do a 12-team playoff. And then it's like, well, there goes college football. Sports talk is just a huge time filler. That's all it is. <laughs> but but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if y'all have seen them or not, but like, it seemed like every week from week eight on, there's been a graphic that's been put out by either ESPN or Fox or one of these or CBS yep. that's like this is what a 12 team playoff would look like right now and everyone looks at we that for that first week of games that you would get that first round of playoffs and everyone's like oh man that would be awesome like there was one week that I, I want to say it was like Ole Miss versus Ohio State and everyone was like oh that game would be awesome because it would be like 500 to 490 like the, the it would be through the roof scoring and it would be great and everyone sees that and it's like 
that that's cool, but that's what bowl games are meant for. Bowl games are meant, and especially like the New Year's Six and the bigger bowl games, they're meant for really good teams to play each other for something that is not the national championship. And so you give the compelling matchup, but at the end of the day, the best teams should be playing for the national championship. So if you're telling me that we're only expanding to 12, just so maybe we can see a 12 knock off a 5, and then a 10 knock off a a, a 7 or, or a 9, the, the awesome 9-8 matchup, that's what bowl games are for. When you get to that next round and 12 plays one and it's a bloodbath, that's not fun. Or if 12's playing one and then a key player goes down for one that isn't available now for the rest of the playoff, even though they were clearly the best team all year long, and now they have a key player go down, that just doesn't – like it, it, you're, you're delaying the fact that this team should – it's college football. The best team should be rewarded by playing for a national championship. The play, the fourteen playoff, perfect. They play the number four team in the country. Two plays three. These are your best four teams. It's put it pretty clear, cut and dry. You're not adding in an extra game that's unnecessary to prove that they're the number one team in the country. You're right, Matt. Yep, we're gonna go ahead and move on to our pour one out, cut them off segment. Matt, who you pouring one out for? I am pouring one out for Josh Allen, and not Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, obviously, it's been all over NFL media, ESPN, all those places. We're talking about how Josh Allen, Jags Josh Allen, sacked Bills Josh Allen, intercepted Bills Josh Allen, and forced a fumble, recovered a fumble of Bills Josh Allen, So, which is the first time that any of those three things had happened where a player of the same name had sacked, intercepted, and forced a fumble uh, in NFL history. So that that's uh that's who I'm pouring one out for. Jags, Josh Allen, game of his life. Jags are on a two game winning streak. Uh, fun fact about that game: it had been 420 days since the Jags had won a game in the United States, and they won in a game that was six to nine. Uh, Football gods got a sense of humor. So, uh, and then I am cutting off six yards of rushing for Alabama. I talked about it a lot earlier. Schemes look very vanilla. Offensive line play isn't very good. I don't know what this Alabama offense is, but it, this is not exactly uh, what what it should be. Way too much daggum talent on that offense to only score 20 points and only rush for six freaking yards against LSU. So cutting off Alabama for only six yards of rushing against LSU. Lando. Yeah, I'm not cutting anybody off this week so people are safe. However... I am going to pour one out for the Cleveland Browns, who finally decided to get rid of that team cancer, Odell Beckham Jr. And I, I will say they look like a like a completely different team when they played the Bengals on uh, on Sunday. And the same thing happened last year when they got rid of OBJ. Well, when OBJ got hurt, uh, as soon as he went down, the team looked so much better. Baker Mayfield looked looked really good. So, yeah, pour one out for the Browns for uh, releasing o- Odell Beckham Jr. I thought Lando was going to do this, but I'm going to pour one out for Kyle Larson. I watched the uh, NASCAR Cup Championship for the first time on Sunday, and I actually made it a point that I was going to sit down and watch that entire race. Um, I haven't watched every single race this year. Even in the playoffs, I haven't watched every single race, but I've tried to watch as many as I could. After uh, going to my first race uh, when it was in Nashville with Lando and, and Chad, and I can honestly say I think this was... If it wasn't my favorite, it was in the top three of best races I've seen. It was a lot of fun to watch. 
Um, in the end, Kyle Larson kind of dominated the last couple laps, probably last like 30 laps or so. But up until that point, it was very back and forth. You had Chase Elliott uh, leading for a little bit. You had Truex uh, leading for a little bit. Hamlin led for a little bit, kind of towards the end. Um, I know that's who Lando was kind of cheering for. But Kyle Larson, he was the best all year. Uh, he totally deserved it. So pour one out for him. And I will be cutting off the college football committee's fill-in teams. Um, and when I say fill-in teams, I'm talking about number 20, Minnesota, more than anybody, who lost this week. I'm talking about Kentucky was ranked number 18. They lost this week. I'm talking about Mississippi State, who was ranked 17 for no reason. They lost this week. Iowa looked terrible against Northwestern. Wisconsin had a – they won pretty big, but in my opinion, they still don't really look that good. Uh, Fresno State lost this week. I don't really know what the committee's doing, ranking these teams at the bottom. I know it doesn't really matter except for for strength of wins and losses for the top 10 teams, but like I think the committee needs to take more of a look at the teams they're ranking in that top 25 and actually watch college football more than anything. So, Keys, who are you pouring one out for? So, I'm pouring one out for Purdue for just continuing to pull big upsets. Um, second top three upset of the season for them as they beat Michigan State, the first being when they beat number two, Iowa, who obviously has dropped off, but at the time they were number two. And we'll see if they can continue to roll against Ohio State, number six this week. Uh, it's too bad they already have three losses because they've beaten some good teams. Uh, and then I'm cutting off the Bears. Poor Justin Fields is just getting tackled every single play. The coaching was bad. The decision-making was bad. Defense was questionable at times. So just kind of all around. I, I wish that uh, I, I wish the Bears could get it together so maybe Justin Fields would actually be able to show how talented he is because he did have some promising points, as Matt mentioned uh, to us yesterday. But, yeah, I got to cut him off. Some of the coaching decisions, even calling that last timeout, I thought uh, before the uh, field goal was kind of questionable. So uh, just cutting off the Bears. Nice. Well, we'll move on to our locks of the week. Matt, who's your lock this week? So my lock of the week this week is Arkansas over LSU. Uh, I think that we have seen the last game that LSU is actually going to show up for for the season. Uh, I don't think it was so much that they were showing up for Coach O. I think they were showing up for pride for themselves. Alabama's a rivalry game, uh, and that that's one that they had circled on the calendar since before the season. Uh, so I, I think that they played up for that game. They lost that game. It was an emotionally draining game, physically draining game for them. So I think that they're going to go and they're going to play Arkansas, and I think Arkansas is going to come out on top. Uh, I like Arkansas in that game over LSU, Lando. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the UTSA Roadrunners over Southern Miss. They're 9-0, and ranked 15th in the country, and I actually want to see them go undefeated. So uh, going UTSA, wit. I got TCU over Oklahoma State this week. TCU had a huge win against Baylor last week, and I think they're going to get another upset because of the emergence of Chandler Morris. Uh, he's a freshman quarterback, took over last week for the first time, went for over 400 yards. Um, I actually got to watch a little bit of their game, and he looked really good. TCU looked a lot better with him at the helm, so I think they get the upset over the over Oklahoma State this weekend. Keys, who you got? So this week I'm going to do Purdue and Ohio State. And I, I don't really think that Purdue's going to win this game, but it's going to be my upset watch because they've already done it twice, like I just mentioned. So I've actually got Ohio State winning uh, by two touchdowns, but we'll see what Purdue can do. You said you got Ohio State winning? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying calling for the Purdue upset two in a row. 
Uh, I doubt they'll do it again, especially now. I hope they do. I hope they do too. I really want to see it, but realistically, they got what a ninety percent chance to win. Ohio State does, so I would be very, very, very surprised if they won two top five matchups in a row. But you know, you never know. Purdue's a good football team. They've actually been pretty good for most of the year. But we'll go ahead and move on to our games of the week. We got Georgia Southern going to Texas State. Texas State is a two point favorite. Matt, who you got? I'm going with Georgia Southern in this one. I think that Georgia Southern is playing a team that's also in a little bit of a rut this year. Texas State's not a great team, as evidenced by the fact that it's a two-point game. And they're just it's basically a pick 'em and they're favoring the home team for being the home team. But I like Georgia Southern in this one. I think that Georgia Southern is trying to find a little bit of an identity here at the end of the year. You've got a lot of players who are really kind of Around, like they just, they just kind of feel like they're there. I don't feel like the mojo of the program is really high right now. Uh, obviously, the Clay Helton hiring that's going to bring a little bit to it, but he's not even really able to do much. So uh, I, you know, I, I still think that Georgia Southern is going to play for a little bit of pride in this game. They don't have very many wins left on the schedule. I think this is going to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to go with Georgia Southern as I'm watching the Georgia Southern basketball game right now. Um, I just want to see them play a, a complete football game and, and play well. You know, uh, last week wasn't very good. Um, you know, it, it's just the team is not good this year. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, that's just the, the reality of the deal. So I'm still going to pick Southern no matter what and uh, hope for the best. Wit. I love my Eagles. I love Georgia Southern. And we suck this year. I mean, we are awful. But Texas State's not very good either. So I think Georgia Southern goes in and gets himself a win. I don't think we're a two-win team this year. I think we're at least a three- or four-win team, uh, even without a head coach for pretty much the entire year. Uh, So I'm going to pick the Eagles. I think it's going to be a close game. I think we squeak it out by about seven. Um, Moving on to our next game, we got what will most likely be a top-10 matchup. And then the AP poll is a – or sorry, a top-25 matchup. And then the AP poll is a top-25 matchup. We got number nine, Michigan, at number 23, Penn State. The line is even. It's even money. Matt, who you got? Oh, th- th- this is one. I don't. I didn't even pick a winner in our in my notes because I had to had to sit there and kind of divulge through everything because I think these are two teams that are very, very, very similar to each other. Um, it's in Happy Valley, correct? Yep. Taking Penn State to win by a field goal solely for that reason. Um, I, I really I think Michigan's actually a pretty good team this year. I, I know that the the whole belief is that they're the same old Michigan as they always are, and I I don't disagree. They're probably a, a ten, maybe an eleven win team. Um, but I really I I think they're a good team. I just think that Penn State having a little bit of home field advantage. Uh, is going to come out on top with that defense that they've got. I think they're going to be able to shut down Michigan's offense pretty much for a good a, a good portion of the game. This is going to be a really low scoring game, like a like a seventeen fourteen sixteen thirteen type of game. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go with Penn State here. Yeah, Penn State played Ohio State close. I'm going to go with Penn State as well. Uh, I think they're going to squeak one out. Same about a field goal. I'm going to put myself on recording danger. I guess is what you could call it. I think Michigan is a top four team this year. I think they're a good football team. I think they should have beaten Michigan State. They should have blown them out too, but they let Kenneth Walker go berserk on them and and bring that comeback. 
I I don't think there's anything about Michigan that really stands out, but I do think they're a good football team. I think they're a really good football team, and I think they're more balanced than Ohio State is, and Michigan State as well. I think they I think Michigan State got lucky in that game. So I think Michigan State wins this one. I do think it's close. I think Penn State at home is a tough win. Um, I don't think they're going to get a wideout. They might, but if they do, I might would pick Penn State. But I'm going to say Michigan wins the game, and I think it's going to be by at least a touchdown. So if Michigan loses this game, you guys can blast me next week. That's fine. At, at freezing cold takes. Oh, yeah. Send it to Twitter. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Get me canceled. But we'll move on to the next game. We got number four, Oklahoma, who is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. At number 18, Baylor, uh, going off the AP rankings. Matt, who you got? So in this one, this, I feel like Baylor is coming off of a of a pretty significant upset loss. Um, it's just one of those games that I don't think that Baylor is that good. And I think this is when Caleb Williams really asserts himself as being the leader of that Oklahoma offense. And I think Oklahoma uh, – they roll on and they roll over Baylor. I think they win. They cover. Yeah, this is a game Oklahoma has to win, so I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Honestly, every game I've watched Baylor play this year, I haven't really been super impressed. Um, I, I think they're a good team. I think they're a top 25 team, but I don't think they're a team that should be within seven points of Oklahoma. Oklahoma's done a really bad job of covering the spread this year, but the fact that it's a five-and-a-half-point spread – um, I got Oklahoma. I think they'll cover. I think they'll win by double digits, at least 10. Um, if I'm putting money down on an exact score, I think it would be 17-point win. That would be my call. And next we'll go to one of the SEC games of the week. We have the number one Georgia Bulldogs as a 20-point favorite heading to Neyland Stadium to take on Tennessee. Matt, who you got? I think 20 points is really generous to give – Tennessee, I think Georgia steamrolls over Tennessee. The only the, – uh, for whatever reason, and, and I don't understand this, I feel like there's been this, like, national media push that Tennessee's offense is, like, unbelievably good. I mean, it's good, but but that Georgia front seven is absolutely nasty. I don't think that there's anything that Tennessee is going to be able to do to, to really move the ball. I think it's going to be very similar to what you saw last week against Mizzou. Uh, I like Georgia in this one, and I like Georgia in this one by 28. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's going to be a blowout, Georgia. See, I don't know if this is just the Georgia fan in me. He thinks this game is going to be close, or uh, or I don't know. But I think Tennessee's offense is really good. I don't think they're like a top-five offense or like what Oklahoma had over the past couple years or anything, but I do think they're a really good offense. Um, and I don't think Georgia has seen an offense that can throw the ball like Tennessee can this year. I don't think Tennessee's going to win. I do think it's going to be a close game up until the fourth quarter. Um, I think Georgia wins by 10 to 14. I don't think Georgia covers. I think 20 points is a lot um, against an offense that's as explosive as Tennessee's been over the past couple weeks, especially rolling off that win at Kentucky. Um, and their, their, their crowd is going to be going crazy for this game. Uh, I'm a little worried going in. I'm not going to lie, but I do think Georgia's a better team. I think we're way more talented. I think Stetson Bennett, Albeit, I don't think he's the guy that should be starting this game. I think he's starting to come into his own as a quarterback. He looked he looked good after his first couple throws last week against Missouri. He looked real bad against Florida. Besides that, he's played pretty well this year. Um, so I got Georgia. I'm going to say it by two touchdowns. 
And on to our next game, we have Purdue, the giant killer, taking on number six in the AP poll, Ohio State. Ohio State is a 20-point favorite. Matt, who you got? I'm going Ohio State, but I think Purdue covers it. I think that Purdue is actually a pretty decent football team. So I'm going Ohio State win, Purdue cover. I'm going with the Boilermakers to upset Ohio State and continue to be the giant slayer. Yeah, I think I see this game going two different ways. I think it will either be a Purdue upset, and they'll continue to be that team that is slaying the Giants, like Lando just said. Or I think it's going to be a game where people think Purdue is going to come in and cover and play really well, and Purdue's a good football team, and Ohio State is just going to step on their neck and destroy them. I don't really think Purdue can win uh, as many games as they had this year against top 10 teams. I mean, so far they've beaten number two Iowa when they played them, and they beat number three Miss, uh, Michigan State when they played them as well. I'm pretty sure both those teams they got at home. This game is in Columbus. Ohio State's going to be wanting revenge from when they got upset back in 2000, I guess it was 2019, 2018, uh, when, when they beat them at home when Ohio State was undefeated. Um, it cost them from going to a playoff. So I'm going to say Ohio State, and I think they win big, big time. And on to our next game. This is the game of the week. This is the college game day game of the week. This is the game that me and Matt will be in the stadium for this weekend. In Oxford, we got number 11 in the AP poll, Texas A&M, as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, taking on number 12, the Fighting Lane Kiffins, old Miss. Matt, who you got? So, honestly, it depends on injuries. And, and Lane Kiffin doesn't disclose injuries. He doesn't talk about who's starting who's not. But, honestly, that matters. Uh, if you watched Ole Miss this past weekend, they didn't run the ball effectively in the second half. Offensively, there was a lot of drops. All th- uh, three of Matt Corral's top targets are out. If, if he had any of those, he wouldn't have played much in the second half, and he still would have thrown for 370. He didn't have his top three targets. He threw for 324 and was like 70-something percent accurate. So, And then that's not including the fact that there was a couple of atrocious drops. If, if Matt Corral has his weapons, I, I like Ole Miss to win this game in Oxford. College game day is going to be there, which is the only the second time in history that college game day has been there. First time since 2014, Alabama. We all know how that played out. That, that game was insane. So I like... You know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to be there. I'm an Ole Miss student. Homer, call me a Homer. Go Rebs. Rebs win it. Yeah, unfortunately, Matt, I'm not going to be there. So I'm not going to pick Ole Miss. I'm going to go with Texas A&M. See, Lando, I think you're right. A&M is a better team overall. The difference is they have Zach Calzada. Ole Miss has Matt Corral. And Ole Miss is going to be having the ATK boys screaming hotty toddy all night long. So I'm going Ole Miss. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I think Matt Corral puts the team on its back in this game. Has a game like he had in Tennessee where he throws for like 450 yards and runs for another 150. Kind of puts his name on that Heisman ballot. Goes Going ahead and, uh, and uh, make plans to see him in New York. Um, I think he'll be there. Even if he doesn't win it, I think he'll at least be in the facility. Uh, watching somebody win it if he's not winning it. So I got Ole Miss. I think it's going to be a real, real, real close game. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening as always. We appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts 
Subscribe to our channel on Spotify and give us a follow on our Instagram at Around the Keg and our Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.